Hello and welcome to Robot Congress Classics. That's right, Morrison finally had his recovered hard drive repaired and returned to him. Was it deep in the Mariana Trench, or perhaps orbiting the moon? Who knows, but due to Morrison and Alley's temporary insane globetrotting work schedule, we are going to release these classic episodes to you! We haven't forgotten about you. I'll be looking back, reminiscing if you will, before each episode kicks off. This week, episode one. It's not my choice for episode one, but I wasn't in charge of releases at the time. Who owns your DNA? or Presidential Bone Park. This episode, Morrison and myself talked about cybernetics in the near future and who can own your organs. Hint, when we're living for 200 years because of bionic man technology, it might not be you. Ever try to pay down a cybernetic heart that costs you $180,000? That monthly bill will make your heart race. Ha ha! What about that lab-grown eye that replaced the ones you lost in the robot wars? At least you'll be able to see the bill collector drones when they come knocking on your 10x10 cyber sleep pod home in Neo-Tokyo. Warning, there are spoilers for the 2010 classic Repo Men in this episode. We also talked about what can you patent. Patenting attempts on DNA and bacteria. I also talk about that time that I saw one episode of Black Mirror and described it to represent the entire show. I have since seen more episodes of Black Mirror. That show hits too close to home and depresses me a bit, so I can't watch too many episodes of it, but it's really good. I can't wait until we talk about our old AI episode. But first, I bring you to the future of organ cybernetic patent delicious copyrightitudes from yesteryear, year, year. This is a headgum podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Robot Congress. I am Ryan Morrison, better known on Reddit and throughout the internet as Video Game Attorney. And I'm Austin, lifelong nerd, great friend of Ryan. I used to work with him in game dev, and I'm such a good friend I came in this show because he couldn't get anyone else to get on here. That's right. No, you were my first choice. Oh. Where do we work in game dev? Why don't you tell a little bit about that? Can I say the name of the company? Sure. All yeah, right. Large, anymore. <laughs> Large Animal Games. They were right near Penn Station. They did mainly Facebook games. Like, hey, you've gotten invited to go gamble on the cruise ship. I got taken on because they wanted to make a mobile game called Nomsters, which was a very interesting game. That was actually my first legal issue. Not only did I do the Nomsters trademark, but the first actual legal work I did was negotiating the deal with the sponsorship. Do you remember who sponsored the game? Kobayashi! Kobayashi, the July 4th Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Champion. I still have pictures with him. The object was to collect all the fruit on a stage. We wanted Kobayashi to come eat as much fruit salad as possible in a minute in the middle of Times Square, and we worked out that whole deal and got his face in the game, and it was a really fun thing, and it showed me that there's an area of law that's not just suicidally boring. Robot Congress. Is it as bad as it seems? That's something that I deal with very often in my job. With the public nature of what I do and with the pro bono work I do on Reddit, I get a lot of people reaching out to me wanting to help them out or stop the newest headline they've seen that they're terrified of. Very oftentimes, that new headline is somebody trademarked something. Can you believe this company trademarked this word? 99 times out of 100, that trademark is totally fine. So when people hear somebody trademark the word Apple without understanding the full story, it sounds very scary. How can someone try to own the word Apple? I get a lot of emails in that tone. Somebody's trying to trademark this word. Can you believe it? And a lot of times, yes, I can believe it. And a lot of times it's not that bad. 
The reason being, or there's a couple of reasons. Your trademark can't be descriptive for what it's selling. So Apple brand computers is fine. Apple brand apples would not be allowed and would be ridiculous. That's when you're allowed to get angry. So the Fine Brothers on YouTube tried to trademark the word react. The Fine Brothers are famous for making kids react to X or elders react to whatever. They make a lot of reaction videos on YouTube. What they didn't do is come up with the idea of reaction videos. They didn't come up with the term react for that genre, and they certainly didn't come up with the format. And now while a trademark won't protect your format, it will protect the source signifier there. They would arguably own the word react on things like YouTube, and it was approved by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Could they shut down every word that has react in the title? No. Could they shut down a lot of reaction-themed channels? Absolutely. H3H3 Productions is a very popular and famous YouTube channel that has a reaction channel. So owning a react trademark on YouTube and the internet would be akin to owning the word sitcom on TV. The Fine Brothers got a lot of backlash when this came out, and they were really attacked from all angles. Bill Cosby hosted the show Kids Say the Darndest Thing, Beavis and Butthead reacted to music videos, and people used to film their grandparents watching Two Girls, One Cup on YouTube, all well before the Fine Brothers came around. Did the Fine Brothers do great at it? Yes. Does that give them a right to own the word react? No. I was down at PAX South in Texas when I, I, I got literally 500 emails and texts and private messages saying help, look what the Fine Brothers are doing, the USPTO shows February 2nd as the publication date. This was on January 31st, so everyone was freaking out, oh my god, we only have a couple days to stop this, when in reality, the way trademarks work is that's when the opposition period starts. So a trademark gets approved by the examiner, and then there's 30 days for the public to say, no, 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 we're going to stop this, we oppose this trademark. Here, I know there's never certainties in law, but I am 100% confident we would have won this dispute. It's a generic term, and it's a descriptive term. It quite literally describes what it is. So just like Apple brand apples would not be okay, React brand reaction videos are not okay. But it just goes to show you that the internet does not want you messing with its free speech. The internet does not want you censoring it. Not only the React trademark, but all of their trademarks, besides the one for Fine Brothers, have been revoked. Robot Congress. So another thing we're looking forward to doing on this show every week is looking at how current laws are going to interact with technology as it grows. Famously, the law does not keep up with technology. We're stuck with entertainment laws that were made for newspapers as we're trying to release virtual reality games. Is that terrible? Yes. Is that something we have to live with? Also, yes. This week on Robot Congress, we're going to be talking about cybernetics, cybernetics, the future of your insides. Who owns them? Who can own them? Are we just going to all be living cyborgs that live 3,000 years? Or are we going to be penniless slaves like in the movie Repo Men? Repo Men is Jude Law and Farce Whitaker. It takes place in the future. They actually play Repo Men for your body. So what happens is you're sick, your liver's failing, you go to this giant corporation. I'm they, dying. <laughs> they give you a liver that is cybernetic that works forever that's complete cure for your thing oh wow but it'll be seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars so i'm gonna pay for that right and it's akin to the mortgage crisis where people are signing up for things they can't afford because they want to live makes sense but all of a sudden instead of defaulting on their payments and getting bad credit the repo men come kill you take the organ back and give it back to the corporation and that's all well within the law in the movie so people who can't afford their payments start running away they live in these outcast communities and the dichotomy gets 
pretty distant pretty quickly where it's the poor versus the rich. You can afford to live forever or you can have signed something trying to live forever and now be in poverty forever. So they don't even like make you slaves. They just kill you. Yeah, they take back they the just, organ. They, yeah, they they kill you and take the organ back. If you live after they take the organ, kudos to you. But they uh, they probably certainly, needed the organ for a very important reason. Yeah, I mean, there's some situations in the movie where I think they have a cybernetic leg or something and they'll take the leg and the guy can just figure it out Hop if he's going to live or not. Uh, but they, you know, they do the same with hearts and livers and things that you do need to live. So in the movie, spoiler alert, although I wouldn't be too concerned about it, it's not exactly a top 100. 2010, actually, I think, no. which was shocking. But it's uh, what happens is Jude Law is on a job, gets hurt, uh-oh, wakes up from a coma, has one of those organs inside him. Now he's a slave to the company, has to keep working for them to pay it off. The problem is now he feels bad about the people he's going after because he empathizes with them. He doesn't want to take their body parts back anymore. Forrest Whitaker, his old partner, says, Jake, I'm coming after you, and stuff like that. Unless he's Jake, I don't really remember. And that was my awesome Forrest Whitaker impression. Uh, <laughs> so for you. They, uh, they, they wind up where Jude Law winds up on the run, falls in love with some woman. Forrest Does the Whitaker, woman also have, a, have an implant? Yes. Oh. Yeah, the, the whole society basically turns into people with implants who can't afford them versus people with Is them Is this who just can. one corporation? It's one corporation that is akin to, like, the Empire in Star Wars. They are the corporation. Oh, okay. If you've played, like, Deus Ex uh, Machma, it's, it's, yeah. it's that corporation. So they're not the government, per se, but they might as well be. So he's on the run. He decides, a la Fight Club, he's going to break into this main corporation, destroy their computers so that everyone's debt is wiped clean and they can all be free again. No one will know who owes what. There's no cloud backups or anything. No, there's no cloud in the future. So basically, that's actually really funny. I never <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> I know I'm funny. <laughs> it's a thousand years in the future. They have Oregon. They I mean, this was backups. a 2010 movie also. Like, Dropbox existed then. Yeah, or Google Drive. Yeah, like uh, any flash drive would have prevented this. But regardless, uh, I... The fight all, happens in the main building. So Forrest Whitaker knocks out Jude Law. Jude Law wakes up with his girlfriend. She says she saved him. He They devise a new plan to get back in the corporation and really blow it up this time. And they're doing it. They're getting through everybody. They're killing the guards. They get into the mainframe to figure out how to wipe away their own organs and then figure out how to blow up the building. Right before that happens... Forrest Whitaker comes in, says he's with the with the main other bad guy, says he's going to kill Jude Law. Not uh, At the last second, he saves Jude Law kills the, the main bad guy boss Forrest Whitaker and Jude Law then you know flashes forward five years and they're on a beach in in Mexico or something you know sipping margaritas and enjoying themselves the background gets a little hazy and it turns out that when Forrest Whitaker knocked out Jude Law that first time halfway through the movie he actually was just made like brain dead and Jude Law, uh, Forrest Whitaker felt bad for him and hooked him up to a matrix style machine so they never did free anyone and the whole earth is still in darkness and blackness cool plot twist not like worth a, the two-hour movie it's like a it's like a black mirror episode yeah uh, if you've seen black i don't mirror. know what the hell that is oh my god really what is black mirror uh black mirror it's a uk netflix series each episode uh is a different dystopian idea like the one that i saw the, the so you saw one episode. i saw one episode but it was really good You're i haven't seen any others is, oh it's just like this show that i saw one episode but of. i know the rest of the show but basically it, it's the future pretty much everybody lives in these little tiny cubicle dorms you go out and you cycle and you generate power by cycling. This is the worst sales pitch for a show I've ever heard. So, so you watch people ride a bike for an hour? You don't hour watch and, people and ride. You ride, like, you ride the bike and you generate your own like monetary no, source I mean, by cycling. No, I you as the viewer for the show are watching people you're ride watching, the bike. You're watching, you're following one guy as he cycles. He inherited his dead brother's cycling credits. So he doesn't need to cycle that much. 
but he likes this girl. They have this like reality show where you can become a pop idol, and that's what everyone wants to do. To even enter, you have to have a ton of these credits. So he uses his brother's credits to get her on the show because he likes her and she can sing. Uh, and she and gets on the like show. Meant to you. <laughs> so she gets on the show and she is sexy enough. They don't really care about her voice. They take her and she accepts the offer and she turns into a porn star. And sure. so now, and so now the main character is not really friends because they don't seem to really have friends, but like his co-cyclers, she's in like these porn advertisements now and you can rent and watch her in porn. They have advertisements and you have to watch the advertisements. You can't block your eyes because it'll sense it and it'll pause and you can spend those credits to skip advertisements. So he breaks his room up. He takes a piece of glass, he gets on the show, and then he threatens to kill the judges. In the end, they say, wow, you're such an impressive guy. Would you like a show? And he takes the offer. And then he uh, he lives in a little bit bigger room, and he gets uh, fresh-squeezed orange juice. And he just has this how show. How the hell is that like Repo Man? He has this show where he just talks about how life is unfair and how the system is trying to get you, but he is part of the system. And that's the idea. That's the, that's the end of the show, is that he has joined the machine that he How the hell is that murder. like Repo Man? I don't remember where we started with repo men but because they were the guys taking the organs and then became the ones with the organs i guess i I have no idea okay that was just that was a terrible story (laughs) that was not a terrible story listen all right black mirror that one episode was really good cybernetics who owns your body who owns the stuff in your body and where is the law there's going to be a lot of stuff that you're able to accomplish i mean you can even just look at stem cells right now stem cells are not anything cybernetics in the sense that we're going to be talking about but stem cells are something that is a miraculous cure for a lot of diseases but we have government agencies saying you can't use them scientists can't even research them in a lot of places aren't those moral objections that are being forced on Sure, but whatever the reason might be, we still have the government making the law. So if their justification is moral, they're still the ones saying whether or not you can use it. That's fine. I, I guess it's just unfortunate. So one question that I did have about Repo Men, were those organs actually cybernetic? Or are they just, I don't know, transhuman super No, organs? sure. That's, that's an important point. Uh, these are actually completely synthetic. So there's no cells they're growing them out of. It, it does not get into the full science of it. But when they drop them, they clank like metal. They're, they're oh, more, okay. So they're, they are. Yeah, they're more akin to like pacemakers. All right, so they are cybernetic. I was making sure they weren't like cloning hearts and like they were organic no, no, no. These, hearts. Yeah, these are absolutely machine hearts. Oh, wow. All right. Now maybe I want to see that movie. Yeah, well, now you know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> to truly, I guess, understand where we are now, we need to go back all the way to the 50s and 60s when science really took its first leap forward with genetics. The Human Genome Project is something that really has a great history and mapped out a lot of this stuff. Whether Whatever your opinion might be at the end of this on them, you, they're heavily involved and they have a lot of good information if you want to look into it. So we have to go all the way back to a very important case that was the foundation for all genetic laws we have it now. Diamond versus Chakrabarty, which... Chakrabarty? Yeah, there's a 50% chance I'm saying that right. <laughs> uh, let's call him Chakra. Chakra. Chakra was the landmark case. It uh, started and finished a lot of questions about patenting genetics. Now, if you don't know what a patent is, a patent is basically intellectual property world. There's copyrights and trademarks, which we talk about a lot or will be talking about a lot. Patents don't exist in the video game space too much, so we won't get into them often. But in technology, they're very important. And patents protect, usually inventions would be the easiest and simplest way to describe it. But we'll get a little more into the exact letter of the law and where it stands with this stuff as we get further into this conversation. You're saying that patents serve for inventions. What does this have to do with genes? It was an old rule that anything you could find in nature was not patentable. Like a deer. Or a cell, to be 
more important to the conversation. But sure, yes, you can't patent a deer. So I mean, as stupid a comment as that was, well, unless you call it mega deer, you, you, you can't you can't go into the horns. woods and say you discovered deers and patent the ability to breed them. I mean, that's just obviously not something you can do. But again, I'm going to just stop acknowledging the <laughs> comments like that. Chakra was a genetic engineer who developed a bacteria that was able to break down crude oil. So he wanted to use it to clean up oil spills. Oh, wow. That sounds like great. That sounds like a great idea. It is. He was it's all, it, all evidence points that he was a great guy with a great invention that would have helped a lot of people. Wow. So what happens when that exists? Big oil comes in. Uh, or a big company that he works for, GE, says, well, this is great. This is our invention. We're going to make a ton of money with this. So we're going to patent it. Now, this was the first attempt or at least the first big attempt to patent anything like a bacteria, a living organism, something that was found in nature. Even though he manufactured it, at the end of the day, it was microorganisms. So these were not something you could go out and find, but it was a living organism that he manufactured that now you can go out and find. It was something that he had to create? That's the argument here. Did he create it or did he just kind of manufacture it? Discover it or is it like naturally occurring? So, I mean, an amputee victim is is not naturally found in nature, but we do that. It's not, you're not creating now a new type of human. You hope not. Yeah, you've manufactured something different in a human. Uh, and as silly an analogy as that might sound, that was one of the major arguments in this case. So we'll, we'll go into all of that. Please do. The patent office could not deny this quick enough, though, when he submitted it, or when GE submitted it more accurately. They said, this is a great thing. We're happy you did it, but this is absolutely not something you can patent. This is a, These are microorganisms. These are living. That's it. No deal. GE appealed, but the Board of Patent Appeals agreed entirely with the original decision, and that was seemingly that. GE did what a lot of us can't do. They appealed and appealed and appealed through a bunch of various courts, actually all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court finally hears a decision, and they decide that Chakra's bacteria was patentable. That was a huge, huge change to everything we knew about patent law. Their argument was that since Chakra manufactured this bacteria and it was human-made, it was patentable. It didn't matter that it was alive. It didn't matter that you could technically find something very akin to this in nature or even that these would now exist in nature. It mattered that he manufactured it and it was technically human-made. I could see why you would want to patent something like that because if it's something that you made and isn't naturally occurring or if, if it's something even that you discovered and you wanted to make money off of it if other companies found out how to reproduce it then you would lose incentive and it's the same with trademarks and copyrights these laws are in place to protect people who put the work in it's not cheap it's not easy it's not free to create and figure out all this stuff so should he be allowed to be the one that controls it or because these are living organisms is it just completely unprotectable well, it sounds like something that you should be able to patent but it also sounds like it would open the door to a lot of bad things yeah, well, set precedents well where and you co- where you come down on that opinion will determine a lot in the long run uh, of how you look at genetic patents as a whole. Should the government be allowed to say who owns what in a living thing in your very own body? Uh, I know what you're saying. Come on now, Ryan. This is bacteria. They aren't going to try to grant patents on actual bodies, but wrong. They will, and they already have quite a bit, actually. First, about patents. Patents are typically granted for something that's tangible, like a mechanical device. It's done to protect investors and companies from being ripped off by their competitors. So if you create some new machine that's going to revolutionize the a dishwasher pulverizer industry, or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, pulverizes exactly. dishes into nothingness, yeah, which everybody needs. It's, you know, it protects you from having someone else say, hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to make my own version and sell it cheaper. They're the ones who put in the time and work and, and into they deserve the credit. It. They deserve the credit. It's a great idea on its face, but so is communism. So the patent industry is just not, face. not perfect as it stands. 
There's a study in 2005 that actually determined over 4,000 genes, that's about 15% of the entire human genome, were claimed in some way by U.S. patents. And a lot of people say, man, the American system is crazy. I can't believe 15% of the body is owned like that. Well, it's actually closer to 20% in Canada and Europe. So how does the government own our bodies, or our, more accurately, our genes? Well, again, the law does not ever keep up with technology. The law reads, whoever invents or discovers any new and useful process, machine, manufacture, or composition of matter, or any new and useful improvement thereof, may obtain a patent therefore. I'm confused. That sounds more confusing than it is, but basically that's a pretty open-ended statement. So any process, machine, manufacturer, composition of matter, or any improvement thereof. So if I take your genes and I figure out a way to map them a little better than we've done before, things like that, that's all very arguably patentable and was by this decision. Uh, quick question. Are, who's patenting our genes? Is it like pharmaceutical corporations or you said or like is are what's these really, government? really, really hilarious, at least to me in my closed world of non-comedy is I was about to say a myriad of companies. And oh, okay. That makes sense. A myriad of companies. Yeah. But what's funny, though, is the company that was the headlines of all this was actually called Myriad Genetics. Myriad, you're, you're joshing me. <laughs> oh, I'm not. So Myriad Genetics is the famous case that was all over everything for a good number of years, made it up to the Supreme Court again, and, and basically defines our current laws. Myriad was granted a patent for two human genes, BRCA1 and BRCA2, which means nothing to me, but I know... Those are genes according to what I've read. I'm holding on to a really good joke. Both of those genes are linked to an increased risk of breast and, ov- and ovarian cancer. So now your joke's probably inappropriate. Nope. Okay, what was it? No, I've, um, we have to wait for it. I need to, you need to talk about the company a little bit more. Sure. To understand those genes better is an amazing thing. It, it helps people get diagnosed earlier. It helps people know if they're high risk. So it's a wonderful thing. So they patent it. They charge an obscene amount of money for the diagnostics. Okay, yep, that makes sense. And they they made it completely unaffordable. So a lot of people were very angry, questioning how could any company own their genes. I see a myriad of problems with this. (laughs) That was my joke. I could have gotten anyone to co-host this goddamn show. To make you realize how crazy this is, if you did one of those maps of your genes processes where they map out to show your heritage or whatever, what you're high risk for. Yeah, put it on a wall. Exactly. Parts of those are actually blacked out now because you don't own them. You do not own the body in the truest sense of the word. Wait, but so I get like a map of my genes, of my of my genes. Right. Like like the ones that are in me. <laughs> the Austin Hoffman the, genes. The Austin. So they, we get a map of my genes and I print them out. The printout, like, because I want to put, I want to frame them on the wall. Right. And you know, why? Because it, it's classy. That's classy. Uh, I, oh, I, I could put them in the bathroom. Have you ever been in a house where someone had their jeans mapped on the wall? I, I'm a trendsetter. Uh, it's so, not like out of the movies where you get like a cool looking double helix down your wall. This is just like a printout. Yeah, exactly. And okay. then you put it you put it in a frame. But I, you're telling me that parts of that are going to be blacked out, like redacted? Like, like Right. Exactly. You are not allowed to have access. Or, or more accurately, the people doing those mappings don't have access to that stuff. So you would have to go to the specific companies and say... Please, sirs, can I see my body? <laughs> and I, until you have the money, the answer is no. Wow. So the ACLU said, no dice, Myriad. We're going to fight you on this. And they, along with many other people, uh, really fought a case where they said, patents like this stifle diagnostic testing and research that could lead to cures, let alone just prevention, and that it limits women's options regarding their medical care, which is not something anybody should be in favor of. 
Both of those are awful things. And and honestly, the problem with the patent system as a whole, you'll see this in feeding the, the hungry. We had a case a couple of years ago where a scientist figured out how to infuse rice with vitamin A. So oh. a lot of third world countries who rely heavily on rice, which doesn't have a lot of nutrients. They wouldn't need as many carrots. Exactly. Yeah. So now they have vitamin A and they can eat and not be hungry. Well, guess what? That patent was not affordable and, and a lot of people went hungry that didn't have to. Uh I actually believe down the road somebody bought that and did make it accessible to more people. So kudos to them. But uh, I'd have to double check into all that. But regardless, you see those kind of issues popping up all over the place. A federal judge later determined that Myriad's patents would actually hold up, stating they were isolated DNA, which was somehow different than naturally occurring DNA. Now, that sounds like someone who doesn't understand DNA writing an opinion. I don't understand DNA, so I can't really... Wait, so so if you isolate a piece of DNA, then it's not naturally occurring dna that is their argument right so that distinction would allow fragments of human genes to be patented that's a ridiculous decision according to basically every geneticist that doesn't I was work say, for do we have a scientific opinion on this did they do you think they got scientific opinions in you know in that little office or that that little courtroom where they're trying to decide it's not a little one it's a big courtroom. it's little the the uh the sl relative the a very respected and well-known geneticist sl salzberg was quoted saying you could arguably patent a blood sample or an amputated limb both of which are not naturally occurring. Now, oh, yes. you've separated it from the person, so you can now patent the limb. Right. So now, of course, that's a bit of an extreme analogy. I don't think the patent office is going to grant you any patents on an amputated limb. Maybe in 50 years. I mean, that is where you get to with cybernetic organs and things like that. Sure, this is a liver, but it's not naturally occurring. We've now isolated liver production. We can clone livers. We can do this, this, or that with livers. It's not naturally occurring, and we can patent this that's something that could potentially hurt a lot of people it's funny because you want these patents so that companies have incentives to innovate and then the patents also prevent further innovation and that's the counter argument so russell blackford's an attorney who uh came forward with a statement that a product of nature might nonetheless be expensive and difficult to identify so to protect the people who put all that effort and money and research into it they should be the ones to benefit from it and if they want to set a high price point that's their prerogative they're the ones who figured it out isn't that better than not having the cure at all if we make it that patents aren't going to protect this stuff all of a sudden we have people not putting in effort for this because what's the payout at the end yes because what's the point somebody else is just going to take it from me why should i even bother in the first place exactly so in 2013 we received an answer again from the supreme court this time going the other way. Justice Thomas wrote, a naturally occurring DNA segment is a product of nature and not patent eligible. Merely because it has been isolated doesn't make it patentable. It's undisputed that Myriad did not create or alter any of the genetic information encoded in BRCA1 and BRCA2. The Supreme Court said, you didn't do anything to this. It doesn't matter it's isolated. Doesn't matter you figured out this is the breast cancer gene. Stop it. And that really kind of shattered most DNA patents. I guess if they had created a process to fix them, then they could patent that. Sure, of course. Yeah, any kind of cure is absolutely patentable. That's that's different, though. I mean, that's not the same thing. Oh, yeah, thing yeah absolutely. I'm just saying there there's, there still is an incentive, even if you can't patent the gene itself. Many patents exist until they're challenged. challenged. And I, I do think a lot, most of these would not hold up now, but it doesn't mean they all just disappeared. So what do you think, Austin? Where are cybernetics going? Is it going to be repo men? Is it going to be where we are now arguing over stem cells and who owns what genes? 
What what's the future? I guess a real question is whether we're going to keep going forward and enhancing our natural genes, or is technology a shortcut to being better people? I don't know if you're like familiar. Like Deus Ex? <laughs> I like Deus Ex. No, yeah, really. I don't know if you're familiar with the Ghost in the Shell franchise. I, I'm not big on anime, which I know is oh, going you know to it's an anime. a lot of people, but I know it's the guy who's in the... It's uh, not a guy. It's a girl. Well, she's in like a giant tank suit, She's right? not a giant tank suit. I, uh, Looks like a... The boy, like the furnace thing in my mother's foyer, right? The furnace thing. Does Doesn't it have, have four, like a? Does it have four legs? Because then it's already wrong. <laughs> All right. So what? <laughs> maybe I don't know Ghost in the Shell. Well, I, I mean, you might you might have seen like a picture or something. So it's yeah. It, it looks like a giant steamwork army oh guy. My God. Uh, okay. Pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So Ghost in the Shell. It follows. I'm gonna say the name, and you're probably gonna tune out immediately. Follows uh, Motoko Kusanagi, who is. Uh, That's the name of the character. That the- is the name of the, that is the name of the character. Okay. Uh, and it follows her and Section Nine, which is a uh, wasn't that Jap- the movie by the guy who did you're, Cloverfield? You're, I think I think I think you're thinking of uh, crap. What's the movie with the aliens? Yeah, it's it's not by the guy that, that did Cloverfield. Isn't it still called Section Nine? No, it's not called Section Nine. It's this called is a, this is the worst referenced conversation <laughs> I've ever been a part. It's of. called what is it? It's there's aliens district. You're thinking of district? district is it nine. District Nine? Yeah. Uh, that's also not by that's isn't didn't M Night Shyamalan do Cloverfield? No. Who did Cloverfield? I don't know. My uncle was the location manager. <laughs> I didn't Name see. Drop. Oh, great. Yeah, that's great. I didn't <laughs> see Cloverfield. I know they're doing it was the guys Cloverfield who did Super Lane. 8. Super 8? Oh, uh, the movie with the train. It might not have been the guys who did Super 8. It might have just been a Cloverfield-like I movie. saw District 9. I didn't see Everyone Cloverfield. Everyone listening to this show hates. <laughs> We've just angered every single fan base, I think. It's in the fine. Film. We can already edit things. But uh, <laughs> did you see District 9? I'm not editing this. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't see District 9. I, hear, you, I hear good things. It's. Uh, I would recommend Apparently, seeing it. Apparently, I've seen nothing. I've seen a lot of stuff. How, this is crazy. how have I seen more movies than you? I haven't you seen haven't. more movies than you. You haven't. I've seen see, okay. most movies, but I've, I, you've named the, the one show and the three movies <laughs> I haven't seen. Here's, here's, here's the thing that you might... That you might not want to know because you might not care, but uh, well, if you're I, ruining District Nine, don't because I'm gonna. I'm watch not. It on I'm there, not ruining I, District Nine <laughs> at all. It's just I, I. No, but just to the to the to the audience in general, I don't see a lot of movies. Uh, no, I I, I watch shows. I watch a good amount of shows, but I fall really behind. I'll see the first season. Like I, I saw the first season of Breaking Bad. I didn't see anything after that. That's I infuriating. <laughs> I saw gets, the ugh. I saw the first season of Flash, which everyone I work with has seen Flash and has seen the second season. No, I but if seen but it. if there's a two and a half minute parody video of a dota character on youtube oh you've seen those oh i've seen those or those those five minute uh carbot hero storm videos those are awesome and hilarious yeah carbot animation shout out to them those things are hilarious they're great anyway where were we oh right so cyberization and ghost in the shell follows motoko kusanagi uh and section nine which is a uh branch of the japanese government you're really good at saying that name and i've never heard you say japanese like you're not an anime i would not call you an anime fan or you know, someone who goes around speaking Japanese. And nope. I, I just, I wanted to say that's so you're I, impressive I, with I'm that very, pronunciation. I'm very happy to hear that. I do some great accents, which maybe I'll do at some point oh for you. Oh my God, I hate uh, so much. Oh right, so they the it's a it's a section of the Japanese government. They handle security, they handle terrorism, or they have cyber terrorism. They are all cyborgs in some sense because at that point in the future, everyone over like the age of ten or thirteen has been cyberized, which is. At the very least, their brain has been implanted with a neural interface that allows them to access the internet, basically. And oh, uh, so this isn't because they're sick. This is just to make them better. No, this is just to make you better. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can also have pieces replaced of you, or you can have a, an entire cybernetic body, except for your brain, pretty much replaced. But your brain is is hooked up. So it's that's a, why they look steampunky. It's nobody looks steampunky. They look like people. Hmm. 
They, no, they look like I people. What I saw. I have no idea what you full saw. Full Metal Alchemist. Oh my god, are you talking about Full Metal Alchemist? Yeah, is that That's, guy? Oh my god, is no. That, is that a guy who looks That's like? Magic. He. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's not magic. It, it is but magic. Is that what they I'm call it of? alchemy. Oh, are you kidding me? Is that, does it's that a, guy look like the furnace? There's a guy in the ar- in, It's a guy in armor. Yeah, that's uh, the one. That's not even him. He's not even the Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. It's a little. It's the little guy. It's the kid. That's what it's I'm talking about. It's the blonde kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, plug plug for for Full Metal Alchemist. Also a great show, but has nothing to do with the topic today oh you know what okay it could have a little something to do with the topic today because his his little brother with the giant suit of armor it is him in the armor it's not and like it's not his physical body it's his consciousness that was transferred to the body i mean that was using magic though but that's it's like, a it's a little it's a little no 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 because it is kind of it's a little similar to virtual immortality. Which yeah, is I don't an, which think is, that's ridiculous. I which think is another... It, it's the heads in Futurama. Yes, I, exactly. Well, I mean, the heads in Futurama, the thing is the heads in Futurama, they're still their heads... Like, they're still their brains. Oh, I don't think so. In their heads. Don't tell me that, because there are episodes, they use powdered opal. Powdered opal essence you better have or something this like right that. Or I'm gonna, oh, man. Oh, oh, oh. Come don't, don't worry. The audience will get more <laughs> mad at me than you will. That is what they use because it has time-altering properties. They use that to keep the heads alive in the jars. The heads are not cyber or anything like that, or they're not machines, which is why, where I think you were going. I was going to say, they probably you were just going with that. a head. No, they're not. Head. It's the same heads, which I don't know how they got actual heads from skeletons and no brains but right that's why uh, i don't believe it well no you know it's what? like jurassic park they pro- okay so it could be they like jurassic, jurassic park, park those heads so so they're not cyber or anything or technological you're you're saying you're that saying they- the t-rex in in jurassic park is not patentable <laughs> <laughs> no okay so, so 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 you're saying so so, so you're saying you think those heads in futurama you th- ghost in the shell sorry I no, 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 no 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 i want to finish this conversation all right so so you think that the heads in futurama you you think that they are Synthetic organic or that they're do you think do you think they're organic or do you think they're machine like machine do you think that they are like flesh and bone or do you think that they're like like yeah, robots? i think they're i know i think they're flesh and bone i think they're more jurassic park style okay. i think they found like some leonard nimoy dna and, and made it okay no, no no i could totally be on board with that I would say that it's possible that they used that that powdered opalescence stuff to after they got the bones, like after they got like the craniums, they dug them up from the presidential uh, funeral. Uh, the presidential uh, is, is there actually? There's no there's no there's no actual presidential. Um, I can't remember the word for dead people uh, park. Uh, I'm gonna sit here while you do. All right, it's a very popular uh, word. It, nope, not it's not. So it's not a funeral because that's where you put you put them in the ground in the dead right. people park. Yeah. Uh, but it's you go to visit dead people. Graveyard. At the, graveyard. Yeah, that's not the one you want. No. Um, what, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? I, Presidential. I, I'm starting to really like Bone Park. Cemetery. <laughs> cemetery. There it is. Gra- what, so what's the difference between a cemetery and a graveyard? It's the same thing. It's just I knew you weren't trying to remember the word graveyard. You, All right. Is there a presidential cemetery or do they just get buried wherever they want to get buried? I don't know. What a oh. weird question to ask. <laughs> All right. Well, it's because it, it ties in. So, okay. So, let's just say that there is a presidential cemetery where all of our greatest presidents not... Actually, no. I can't badmouth Jimmy Carter. I is actually like him. Is this a five-minute tangent to just say they dug up presidents? <laughs> so, so they dug up so so they dug up some presidential craniums. And then from the bones, because we could assume Austin, there are still bones Austin, there. Yes. Awesome. This podcast is new. We want people <laughs> to listen to it going forward. You can cut out whatever you don't like, all right? Uh, but instead, of, so instead of those, those pre- so they dug up the, cre- the presidential bones and then maybe use that, they use that powder, op- that powdered opalescence to re, uh, to, to pull the actual president's heads back from, oh my God, that would be terrifying if you were just nothingness and then you got pulled into consciousness yeah but that's not how it would work it would, be, it would be akin to teleportation you die and someone else comes out the other side <laughs> that's it's just the same thing yeah I, yeah 
Don't oh, teleport, man. kids. Don't do, we'll do, do. We'll do an episode on that. Don't even okay, get into okay, that. Okay, I don't want it, but I do. But I mean, you know, what I mean, because we're, we're going to do an episode on future transportation. Okay, which part so will let's be teleportation. Yes. So let's backtrack a little bit because I hope a lot we got because we slash I got way off topic. Uh, even though it was highly enjoyable. Don't tell me what's enjoyable. So, I, I, you know it is. <laughs> Just Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> oh, Ghost in the Shell. Oh, Ghost in the Shell. It's a great show. Have you seen it? Uh, okay, so cyberbrains everyone past the age of 10 or 12 so that's really interesting though age of 10 and is this something that's like you... age of 10 age of 12 well, whatever much, it yeah. is i mean you're young so do you consent to it do your parents your sign parents you up? sign you up for it see that's a huge that would be like the repo man when you if you get an organ before you're old enough to get it why should you be respond bankrupt the thing is it takes place in japan this is after uh, World War Three, actually. Okay. And basically, nu- uh, World War Three was a nuclear war before between you know, like all the first world nations. And um, wow, what an original idea! I've never seen people deal with nuclear war after World War Three. <laughs> Oh really? Wait, are you being serious? No, you're joking. Being very sarcastic. You're being That's very the sarcastic. Shade storyline. Well, uh, yeah, but aren't they all like everything's blown up already? I don't know. You played Fallout. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But that's so. That, that's there's no government and everything's blown up. So the thing is, Japan is called the Japanese miracle. But basically, they created some, a, a micro machine or a nano machine that could clear up nuclear fallout. So Japan. Oh. Japan so Japan, aside from now what's called the American Empire, because America's very always very popular in Japanese anime, and they're always portrayed in such a brilliant light. So the American Empire is not quite America anymore because they, I don't know, they like split up a little bit. But Japan is actually one of the most powerful countries in the world because of this Japanese miracle, because they can clear up nuclear fallout. So what that translates to is a high standard of living for most people in Japan, which is why even like poor families get cyberized. Okay. Uh, and, but you know, so is it something you pay for or is it just part of the being a citizen? Well, I mean, it's or Japan, really so I assume addressed. it's part of being a citizen. It's not really addressed. But, okay. but the fact that so when, when you that, get cyberized, yeah. is it like everybody gets the smart you, you guy get, one? You, or? Get the, you just get a cy- you get a cyber brain, which basically it enhances your multitasking abilities. It enhances you in some ways. It's not like replacing your intelligence. It's not even necessarily enhancing so your intelligence. So smart people are still smarter. Smart people are still smarter. It gives everybody a boost and it lets everybody link to the net. Okay. So you don't need to go to the library if you're homeless to get it to to go online. You can just do it while you're sitting under the train tracks. So it's Google Glass. <laughs> it's it is it is like Google Glass, which is I think it's called augmented reality. By the way. Robot Congress is bought to you by Google, <laughs> Google Glass. <laughs> Google Glass. Don't drive in California with Google Glass. We're actually uh, represented by Bing Visor. Bing Visor. What's a Bing Visor? Oh, Bing Visor. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that was a joke at first. That's very funny, though. <laughs> Bing Visor. We're Thank not you. quite as good as Google Glass. Bing Visor. But yeah, so it's kind if of like you this. Thought Google Glass looks stupid. Wait till you try Bing, Bing Visor. Visor. It's like one of those. It's one of those. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the ones the, you get at the Bronx Zoo with that covered yes, eyes. They, yeah, it does. So Bing Visor does it's a not hat cover without the top. Part. Yes, yes, it's a hat without the top part. Do you it's sunburn Bing on Visor. your head? Well, it's good. I hope you're not bald, Bing Visor. <laughs> All right, so. Wow, cyberization, cyber brains. We got to Bing. Oh, right, because it's because like, it is kind of an augmented reality kind of thing, like Google Glasses, where it gives you like a HUD, a heads-up display. Now, the rich and the wealthy, they're really into living a long time by going to different bodies because they have uh, they have cybernetic organs that you can just get a completely different body and you can put your cyber brain so long as your actual brain is yeah, okay. So are they transferring your your brain? Actually, your brain. Your actual they- brain. They're, they are transferring your actual brain. It's called it's actually called it's called a brain case because it's, uh, eventually if you if you're like moving your brain between different bodies, your brain is in the, this cybernetic case. The you, law is going to have to decide at what point you stop being you. So if you are transferring your your brain and essence into another body and you're going to live another hundred years, then so do all of your 
property and your taxes and your things you owe to the government are going to continue with you. And we don't usually deal with life expectancy. Do you think like debt that. would transfer to a clone? Well, that's what I'm saying. So let's say average Joe Schmo dead for 20 years and then he gets re-uploaded due, due to no fault of his own to another body and he's alive again. Do all of his student loan payments trigger? Was the reason that he was uploaded to that new body that he that he got a new lease on life was so he would be able to pay off his debts? No, of course not. I mean, that would be... This was just an accident? I mean, don't get me wrong. Sally Mae and Naviant, I think, are hell on earth. Like, like Satan incarnate. But I don't think for, they're going to start... For those, for those of us without student loans, Sally Mae is... Just a, I mean, in my opinion, a very predatory student loan lender. Is it like but, one of those credit card companies on a college campus? It's much worse than that. Oh. But, but regardless, let's say that they imagine that though that this guy died when he owed us a hundred thousand dollars. We're going to reanimate his body because that only costs thirty grand. Charge him interest on his dead time, and now he's alive again, and he owes us his life, so he has to pay his loans to us. We're never going to be in a situation like Repo Man. I, I mean, I certainly don't think so, where we're, we kill you to take the you organ You don't back. believe in dystopian futures? It's not that I, Even in the worst dystopian future, though, I, ha- I find it very hard to believe that there is going to be a situation where we're giving out organs or something like that and killing you over it. I could understand ruining your credit, making you homeless over it, bankrupting you, whatever, uh, but I think it's going to be very akin to the mortgage movement. Uh, or more accurately, probably student loans. So with a mortgage, they can take your house away. With student loans, they're not going to wipe your brain. They're not going to come steal your education back. Garnish wages. Yeah. Th- I mean, seriously, it's not. we're never going to have that men in black visor that just, boof, you, it turns out you didn't go to SUNY Albany for four years. What happens if you don't pay your student loans is you get hit on your credit. And the difference is if it's a government agency, it's a lot friendlier to you than if it's a private agency. The private agencies will destroy your credit. Are you telling me that the government is friendlier than private industry? Well, I mean, in this situation, nobody disagrees with that. The government the government rates are much lower. The the uh, the private companies affect your credit when the, the government rarely does. So when you're getting these cybernetics, is it the government giving them to you or is it ominous corporation? Well, in the case of Ghost in the Shell, it's ominous corporation. So uh, what is the government's well, relationship the thing is, it's with not, them? The thing is, it's not ominous corporation. It's corporations, plural. This oh, is so this, you can choose this isn't you go this to. isn't a single corporation uh, in 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 the setting. There's competition. There's innovation. It's not, it's not. So there is no patents then. Uh, I, oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Uh, well, well I mean, but I mean that that kind of competition cannot exist if one of those companies owns the patent to neural amplification. Well, if uh, well, uh, hmm, wow, now now you stop me. I don't know the answer to this question in Ghost in the Shell. I should have read all the manga. What's the downside here to just removing patents, making it everybody? making that kind of open competition where innovation exists not to be the only one and say, mwahaha, I'm going to charge what I want. But innovation and research exists because it's competitive in nature where we want the best neural amplifier on the market. So we're going to bust our ass to make it. When I really think about it, I have to, I'd have to say that I'd be against the whole patent idea uh, if it would generate a more open market. I think that the incentive is still there that just because you can't get just because you get it first and you can't lock it down and nobody else can build it, don't you think that it would encourage just better and better innovation? It's like if you go to the pharmacy, though, and you see the generic drug. If the, if the pharmacist or your doctor says, oh, you know, here's the drug we recommend, but take the generic. It's much cheaper if your insurance doesn't cover it. That is the situation here where the second that that patent is gone, everyone is just making a copy of it. So innovation maybe stagnates on the flip side of things because... The second a good idea comes out, everyone just copies it and does the exact same thing. And that one company who's trying to innovate and stay a step ahead is getting copied so quickly that it no longer becomes fruitful. How, what's the current term, uh, current duration for a, for a patent? 20, 20 years. years, you say? Right. It's not, a, it's not an unfair amount of time, but that is a long time it's for that. It's a huge that... time in technology. I mean, honestly, yeah. look at 
Look at video games in the past 20 years. Look at the difference in from Final Fantasy 1 to Final Fantasy 13 in terms of graphics. I guess that's that's not that's not a bad comparison. In all seriousness, yeah. look, look go look at Lightning in Final Fantasy 13, the character, and then go look at the the Black Wizard from Final Fantasy 1 and you'll see you're talking pixels. You're talking I'm like 8 honest, pixels. To it's super advanced CGI that looks almost, you know, human. Lots of pixels. So, <laughs> but seriously, I mean that's basically 20 years. So what what are we what are we missing out on by, exactly. by what having, are we halting so ha- scientists from doing so that'll finish up this week's episode of robot congress thank you for listening and uh really thanks for giving us a chance we're obviously new at this you guys were great and we were great you've been a wonderful audience <laughs> you're you're fantastic i love you Please don't be afraid to tweet me at Mr. Ryan Morrison with ideas for an episode you'd like to hear. Also, Austin, what's your Twitter? Uh, my Twitter, that would be Robot Austin, uh, Robot underscore Austin. And you can follow the show at Robot underscore Congress. Robot Congress. Robot Congress. Robot. Robot Congress. Good night. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>